are going to start a 40-day journey um, through a series uh, that uh, you can call it whatever you want, Purpose Driven Life 2.0, Called by God, What on Earth Am I Here For? Uh, basically, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be walking through, maybe preaching each week um, on a topic that we're going to be studying all week. And so uh, we're going to be doing this for 40 days. Now, somebody, people ask often, you know, why, why 40 days? 40 days has a significant emphasis in Scripture. If you think about it for a minute, um, when uh, we have the story in Genesis of Noah and the flood, it, was, it rained for 40 days and 40 nights. When we get to Sinai, Moses was on the mountain for 40 days. When we get David and Goliath, it was 40 days um, of taunting. When we get to Nineveh, they were given 40 days to repent. When we get to the life of Jesus, he was tempted in the wilderness for 40 days. There's something significant about that idea in the Bible of this 40 days um, idea. Even in the life of Jesus, it was 40 days after the resurrection. So basically, we're going to take 40 days, and we're all going to focus as a church and as individuals. We're going to focus on this idea of what on earth am I here for? Why has God put me here? And so for our church family, we have um, a book by Rick Warren, uh, What on Earth Am I Here For? Purpose Driven Life. Uh, for those of you who watch it online, you can pick it up on Amazon. Um, for those of us that are here this morning, we have a copy for you to follow along if you want to spend the 40 days uh, in a devotional. So this morning... Um, we are going to kind of go in that direction. Uh, we actually, uh, for those of you who want to go further, we're going to have small groups meeting each week. So we've got 11 small groups uh, this year who will be studying this as well during the week. This morning, I want to focus a little bit, and actually I'm going to spend the next three weeks focusing on the creation story. And if you know me, you know that I am a big proponent of the book of Genesis. Because I believe that the foundation that you have for anything that you do is incredibly important. The foundation, if you get that wrong, then whatever you build comes tumbling down. So I believe that in Genesis, God lays out the foundation for so many things um, in Scripture that he then spends the rest of the Bible building upon. And so we're going to look at one of those this morning. Uh, and we're going to look specifically at the creation of man. Uh, man was created on the sixth day of creation. Um, some have called this the pinnacle of God's creation. It was almost like everything in creation worked up to God creating uh, man. Um, you see somewhat of a progression even in the way the story evolves. From its, Things become more and more complex and more and more complicated and more and more involved until you get ultimately to God creating man in his own image. So I want to start with these two passages, Genesis chapter 1, where we're introduced to it. Genesis chapter 2, we get a little bit further explanation of it, but here it says, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image and our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, over the livestock, over all the wild animals, over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created the male and female. 
he created them. Now, Genesis chapter 2 kind of takes this creation story and gives us a little more detail. Here's what it says. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground, and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. Now, this is the only part of creation that God's ever done this to. And it says, and a man became a living being, or some versions say a living soul. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep, and while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs, he closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. If you know the rest of the story, when he did that, Adam looked at him and went, whoa, whoa, man, you have outdone yourself um, at that point. But we have this creation story, and there are some things that I think that we need to understand before we go forward with this that's going to help us as we talk about our purpose. One of them is the idea that God forms man out of the dust of the ground. Um, this is, up until now, God has spoken everything into existence, but now God... I love James Weldon Johnson's picture of this and the, and, and the story that he does. But it's almost like God kneels, and again, I understand God's a spirit, but it's almost like he kneels down and pulls man out of dirt and forms a shape. And what's unique is that it says, and man breathed in, and God breathed into him the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Now, what you need to understand is that that moment, God's creation, God's created being took an eternal form. Up until this point, we have angels that were eternal, but they're spirit beings. Now we have a physical being that has now been made eternal by the breath of God, if you will. And so man in and of himself is now an eternal being. And it says that God shaped and molded him. And so at this point, this creation of God is unique to anything else he's done prior to this event. When we talk about us, you look at it and you go, well, that's pretty cool for Adam. When we talk about us, we have to understand that in the same way that God formed man, God did the same thing for us. Listen to what the psalmist David says. In Psalm 139, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I, I know that full well. My frame, my body, was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. You need to understand what the psalmist is, is laying out in this passage. Because <laughs> there are a number of things that this passage teaches us. One of the things that it teaches us is before anybody even thought of having you as a child, God had already created and determined 
who you would be. Before there was any thought, God had uniquely laid out a plan and a purpose and everything for your life. I believe that this passage, along with other passages, actually teach this idea. That God determined your days before the first one ever happened. What that means is that God has a timetable on your life here. You know, we think that, well, if I do X, Y, and Z, or I think there's some things you can do to shorten that time, and I think um, you might go as, so as far as to do the Hezekiah thing and want it to be extended, but that turned out to be a bad thing for him. We just trust God, let God do what God wants to do. But the idea is that you're given a certain amount of time here on this earth, and there's a, there's a plan, there's a purpose for that. Here's what's amazing. When you look at Psalm 139, here's what it says. When God put you together, he put so much thought and so much emphasis on what he wanted for you that if you could stack up everything that he invested in planning you out and you could stack up the grains of sand on the earth, that would outweigh that. I don't know about you, but that's incomprehensible to me. Let's say it was even a third of that, or a tenth of that, or a hundredth of that. That's still more than I give God credit for. But the psalmist said, you need to understand, God has put so much emphasis and so much investment and so much into what your life should be. He has a plan. He's got it all figured out, and you have to understand that you are not an accident who just happened, or you are not something that some person planned for you and said, oh, let's have a kid and see what happens. God, the creator of the universe, spent time, energy, and effort in designing and planning everything out for you. Um, as many of you know, uh, my passion, one of my passions is glass blowing. Um, I was... I was a wise enough parent to get my child to start a company to fund my hobby. That's a whole new level of parenting. Uh, and I will, I will give classes on that later. But no, um, seriously, we have the same passion. And so he started about three, four years ago um, with this side deal um, in order to pay for our hobby, which is incredibly expensive. So we couldn't be pulling out a family account. We had to fund it that way. And so uh, while Josh is deployed, uh, we're doing things with the, the business part of it. So we actually, uh, before he left, we got two other people to blow glass with us. So um, Rachel uh, got uh, blue glass in college, so she uh, worked with us some. And then her sister Hannah, we got her involved in it too, so she's learning as we go. So while Josh is deployed, um, Rachel, Hannah, and I are still blowing glass, and we try to do this every two weeks, Okay. Um, so uh, this is what this is what came out from last time, last, two weeks ago. Um, we wanted to play around with making e eggs. We never made eggs, and we thought let's try making eggs. So this is what this is what came out of the kiln after playing around. Some of these worked out really well, and some of them were disasters. But um, here's the thing, and this is what I want you to understand: we we were the artists. So 
I made some of these. Rachel made some of these. Hannah made some of these. But here's the thing. We are the creator. We created these pieces. And what went into it was we sat down ahead of time and we said, A, what colors do you want it to be? And so we picked among all the colors that we had available to us. And then we decided, what kind of design do you want? Do you want it to be solid? Do you want the color to be on the inside? Do you want the color to be on the outside? Do you want to do stripes? If you want to do stripes, how many stripes do you want? Do you want the stripes to be straight? Do you want the stripes to be twisted? Do you want it? And so we had this, this plan to make this, these glass pieces. And then we had to get all of our tools lined up. So it was like, okay, you need to go put the egg Swedish block. If you're going to make eggs, you've got to have the egg Swedish block in, and you need out the jacks, and you need out the, the shears, and I'll put the duckbill duck shears away. And so you get all your tools out. And then you start playing around with the design that you have created. And here's the thing. The glass doesn't get a say. Why? It's the creation. The creator is the one who makes all the choices. The creator is the one who designs it. The creator is the one. One of the things that happens in the shop is after you've done this long enough, um, one, of the, one of the hardest decisions that we face is what colors. Because you, you just get bored. And so, you know, so you, you try playing with different colors. And, and the thing about glasses, some colors work better with other colors. And some colors, if you look at the jar, it's orange. But when you go to put it in, in, the, in the fire it up, it turns red. And, and, and so there's all these elements of it. So a lot of times there's a lot of discussion before you get ready to make a piece about what colors you're going to use. And the discussion always comes down on what should I do? Should I do this? Should I do that? Should I do that? And we always come to the same conclusion. It's this. You're the artist, your choice. It's your piece. It's not my piece. When, I get, when, I, when it comes my turn, I'll make the piece that I want to make. It's your choice. It's your piece. It, you're the one who gets to determine it. When we say that God is the creator, this has profound implications for you and I. It means he's the one that makes the decisions. He's the one that determines your size, your shape, your color, all of those kinds of things. God is the one who put you all together, and he has put a lot of thought and a lot of energy to what he wants from your life. You've got to understand that. It's a simple principle, but it is incredibly profound when we start talking about what's the purpose for my life. So let's talk about some life lessons here. Let's talk about some things as we head into this week. The first lesson is this. The first lesson is that you have incredible value and significance to God. He's invested a lot in you already. And, and, and I'm not even talking about going to the cross. That's a whole nother level of investment for you. But just in the way that he put you together, listen to what Isaiah said. This is what the Lord says. He who made you, who formed you in the womb, and he, I'm going to add that, he is the one who will help you. Do you understand that as an artist, when I'm working on a piece, I'm doing everything I can 
every tool that I have, every experience that I have, to mold and shape that piece of glass like I want it to come out. I'm taking everything I have at my... And, and, and here's the thing. I'm limited. God is not. And God will do whatever he needs to do to mold and shape your life into what he has for you. You have to understand this because sometimes we get the idea, well, you know what? God's just not that important. God's just not, doesn't pay attention to me. God doesn't know what I'm going through. No, no, no. He's invested so much in you already, even in your creation. You have incredible value to him. You have incredible significance to him. If you put it in a stack, sand here, God's deal to over here. This is greater than this. You have to understand that. Second thing you have to understand is this. He's got a plan. Um, we don't make a peace without a plan. We have to decide ahead of time what we want. Listen to what Scripture said. Um, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed, speaking to Jeremiah, he says, Jeremiah, I appointed you as a prophet to the nation. Jeremiah, I had this all figured out long before you even became who you were in a womb. Listen to what Paul says in Ephesians. We are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good work, which God prepared in advance long before us for us to do. You are God's handiwork. You are God's masterpiece. You are God's artistry. You are God's creation. And when Jesus Christ goes to the cross, part of what that involves is the fact that he wants you to be everything that he intended for you to be. And he will help you become what you need to become. You know, you know I don't know how to do this whole Christian thing. You don't need to know how to do it. All you need to do is respond. Um, one of the things about what we do when we work glass, glass is a very, very interesting medium to work with. And in the art world, there's a lot of debate over the whole glass thing because it's one of the few, it's one of the few things that, um, that, let me back it up. For those of you who watch Forged and Fire where they, they, they beat stuff on metal and make knives and stuff like that, History Channel, phenomenal series, love it. Um, it's part of the Redneck TV that I watch that my wife criticizes. But anyway, um, Forged in Fire, they, they, they take blocks of metal or they take old pieces and they, they pound them into knives and stuff like that. And, and, and in a forging, so they're constantly working, working the metal back and forth and back and forth. So sometimes they get it right and sometimes it's a colossal failure. <clears throat> but the thing is, so they're constantly heating it and cooling it. Well, in the glass, in, in glass blowing, that's what we do too. Um, our furnace is 2,000 degrees. Okay, 2,100 degrees is what, what the furnace works at. We start, with an, we start with glass as a liquid. And we continually play with it to get hot and cold in order to mold and to shape it. When we're dealing with glass, um, once it hits about 1,400 degrees, it's too cold to work with anymore. So we're shooting somewhere between that 1,500 and 1,800 degree deal where it's not quite a liquid, but it's not quite a solid. So we're constantly going back and forth. But here's the key. We have to learn how to get the glass to respond to what we want it to do. 
if I get it too hot and it almost gets to the liquid form, now I've got on the end of my pipe, on the end of my punty, I've got to, I've got to do this. So you're constantly spinning it and you're constantly fighting gravity and you're constantly fighting if, if, if there's a breeze, when we do this outside, if there's a breeze, then the glass cools too quickly. So we're constantly fighting. Here's the key. We have to get the glass to respond. So since we're the artist and we're in control, we are continually doing things to get the, the glass to respond like we want it to respond. The glass has a little bit of a say in this. I know what I want. But I've got to get the glass to respond like it should. God has a plan. And God has a purpose. And God has a vision for you. And God is going to do everything in his power. Every tool he's got, he's going to pull out to try to get you to be where he wants you to be. But it's your call. You're the one that has to make the choice. You're the one that has to say, God, I am going to trust you. And one of the things that's amazing is when you can get glass to respond like you want it to respond, it is amazing what you can create. And there are people out here, there are people out there in the, in the glass artist world that what they get glass to do is just phenomenal. Um, one of the greatest, one of the, well, probably one of the biggest names right now is a guy by the name of Chihuly. And I mean, a Chihuly, just a little Chihuly vase sells for like 7,000 bucks. But he's able to do things with color and shape and form. It's just, it's, it's, it's insane. It's insane. But he's learned how to get the glass to respond. And the glass has responded. God says, look, you are God's workmanship. When you respond, when you listen, when you do the things that God wants you to do, then he starts molding and shaping you into this incredible, amazing life that he's designed for you. And he allows you to make impact in ways that you were just shocked to allow God to use you. In ways that you can't even imagine. Listen to what Paul says to the church at Thessalonica. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. This week, most of you, there's a few of you that still are in the dark ages, most of you who have a cell phone will get a call or a text. And you have a choice. You respond it or you ignore it. God says, I'm calling you to a life that I have designed for you. You're either going to ignore it or you're going to respond. And when you start responding to God's call in your life, you saying, are you saying everything's going to be roses? No, I'm not going to say everything's going to be roses, but I will say this. I will say that life that God has designed for you will have eternal implications past anything you can imagine. Last week we had Aaron Luce here, and Aaron shared with you 
what God is doing in their ministry in the Papatar. And he shared with you the idea that Gene was his fourth grade teacher. I was his youth pastor. So let me back this up for you. Because of our influence with Aaron and Aaron's response to the Lord, there's a whole group of Papatar people that have been reached and who are now going on to reach other people. So in a small, odd little way, we get a little piece of that. I had teachers, Pat Quinn, Don Ryerson, Roger Bice, who had the kind of impact that we got to have with them that they had on me. So they get a little piece of that too. And there's somebody who influenced them, so they get a little piece of that too. And it goes back and back and back and back and back. Why? Because way back there, somebody said yes. And they continued to respond all the way through to what God wanted them to do in their lives. And because of that long chain, there's a group of people on an island out in Papua New Guinea who are going from tribe to tribe to tribe and starting churches and reaching other people for Jesus Christ. That's the kind of impact. So my question is, how are you going to respond to God's calling in the next 40 days? God's invested a lot to get you where you are today. God invested a lot just to, in your birth. He has a plan. He has a purpose. The question is, when he calls, when he says, I want you to respond this way, how, what are you going to do? Ignore, ignore, ignore. For some of you sitting here this morning, can I encourage your heart for a minute? For your life, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years, you have hit the ignore button. But you're here this morning. And you're here this morning because whether you realize it or not, you said, yes. And you answer God's call. I don't know what God has planned for you. But I'll tell you this. I've been doing this here for almost 30 years, and it has been a wild ride. And I sit back, and I am amazed at what God has done. And it is so much fun to watch God work. And it is so much fun. We've said it. we said it I don't know how many times. Every time we've gone through a building project, we're building it for people who've never walked through the doors. And people keep walking through the doors. And we keep watching God work in lives. And there is no place you want to be when you can be in the middle of what God's doing. And I just want to challenge you, because as we go through this series, God's going to speak to your heart about, you know what, this is what I want you to do. This is what you need to change. This is what you need to do. And you're either going to ignore it, or you're going to respond. You're not an accident. He's put it all together for you. So I'm going to end this morning with this idea. God has called each of us to live our lives by responding properly to his plan. He has invested time and energy in your life. And he has a clear purpose for your existence. It is my prayer 
that each of us will learn that purpose for our time on earth and will invest in things that have an eternal value. Let's pray. Lord, use us. Lord, there are many here this morning that struggle. Lord, they don't see their value. They don't see their significance. They don't see all that you have invested. They don't see the fact, Lord, that you love them and care about them. And that, Lord, you actually want what's best for them and best for your kingdom. So, Lord, I I pray that you would open their eyes, that they would see that. Lord, for those of us who are aware of it, Lord, may we live in light of it. Lord, when we come to those times in life where we question whether or not you care, whether or not you're there, or whether or not um, any of this has a plan or a purpose, may we trust. May we realize, Lord, that part of life is a test. And part of the test is that we need to respond in a proper way to what you're calling or asking in our lives. So, Lord, when this is all said and done, may we be able to look back and see your hand, your fingerprints, all over what you're doing in our life. And we will give you the honor and the glory and the praise, these things we ask in your name. Amen.